Hello there, welcome to another Leicester Square Theatre podcast. It is a very special one. This is uh, the reunion of Collings and Herrin for the first time in over five years. We are, we'll be podcasting together. Hasn't happened yet when I'm saying this. Who knows what will be happening? Will there be arguments? Will there be bumming? Will there be both? Only one way to find out. If you want to help us pay for this series, uh, please go to gofosterstrike.com slash EQ and you can buy this emergency questions book. If you go to Go Faster Stripe, you can also buy uh, some postcards and badges designed by the brilliant Leon Edler from The Guardian for us. Thank you very much for those, Leon. Um, this is full of questions uh, like, have you ever tried Sushami? Which is spelt wrong. Uh, George the Incompetent Sandman realised that. Maybe you should get a new job in proofreading because he's better at proofreading than he is at sound, as you can hear. Uh, it says Sushami, it should be Sushimi. Um, who is your favourite mythological figure? Have you ever demolished a wall or a building? There's 500 questions like this in emergency questions. It's a lot of fun. People are it's, it's doing all right. So thank you for buying this. Buy it for your friends. They'll, they don't even need to know what the podcast is. They'll still enjoy this, I promise you. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, let's sit back and see the fireworks and the sparks fly. Will it be anger? Will it be sexual tension? There's only one way to find out. Stay tuned for this week's Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Oh, and come see me in Edinburgh. Pleasance One and Newtown Theatre. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who, against the advice of last week's guest, has had half a beer. And I think you all noticed the difference. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Thank you. Hello. You're much better than last week's audience already. Please, hello. Welcome to Richard Herring's... They were cunts. Uh, welcome to um, <laughs> Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I was on Napster the other day. Done a few... Uh, <laughs> downloading some stuff. And uh, someone on that uh, called it... <laughs> Called it Relismus. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's been. Um, let's see, I've got. What have I written down here? No, nothing. So I've got nothing. I'll talk to the. I'll talk to the audience. There's some girls in the audience, which is exciting for me, as a man who's nearly 50 years old. Uh, I'm going to take some photos of you, just for my. It's not for the show. It's just for my. Just to prove to my wife. There we go. Hello. What's? How are you doing? What's uh, you? You all look like you're about 13 years old. How did you get into the show? What's, what's your name? Cat. Your cat, and what's your name? Nancy. Elsie. Oh, Elsie, very different. And what's your name? Vita. Vita? Even you said that like the waitress at Franco <laughs> Maranco, isn't you? Vita, are you just making up? What are you, uh, students? Yeah, I'm not. You're not? Yeah. Why, what, why, what are you doing? Um, you're a teacher. That's a good, noble profession. <laughs> And what are you studying? This has gone weird, hasn't it? Has is, uh, is it gone weird that I'm filming these girls from above? Are you uh, students at uh, like college proper? You're like over 18, right? University. University. It's fine. It's fine. If a 50-year-old man can't video some 18-year-old girls in quite low-cut tops, wait till you see the video of this. It's brilliant. Then Al-Qaeda has won, my friends. That is what that's... That's what they were mainly trying to stop. Well, thank you for coming along. I'm just surprised, you know, that is literally like some cool kids like the show. Sorry I didn't talk to you, mate, but, you know. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you're the one who brought them all along, right? No. It was you? Oh, but what, well, what do you, what subjects do you teach? Um, primary. Primary school. Oh, isn't that nice? It's... <laughs> 
I'm doing a show about turning 50, and uh, yeah, this, this is basically encapsulated. <laughs> because there's a point when you, you, know, you suddenly forget that you're really old, don't you? Don't you, mate? Don't you? <laughs> and you think, I can flirt with these girls, and then they're looking, you're going, it's like, what's that granddad doing? To what's that grand granddad in a t-shirt? Thinks he looks cool. He looks like a fucking French mime who's gone into, who's been sent to prison, and they're a prison where they allow you to eat a lot of food. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're most welcome, girls. Thank you very much for coming along. So, young lady, is that uh, probably sexist this day, isn't it, mate? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Should never have drunk that beer. So, um, will you, my guest tonight, edit all that out, Ben. Don't let my wife see what I just did. Uh, my, um, now my guest tonight, he's probably best known for so many things. I don't, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever had a guest who is best known, has so many things he is best known for. It was so difficult to choose what he was best known for. Uh, he's obviously best known for being in every episode of I Love the 1980s and doing that's what he's best and talking about the 1980s. That's all he's interested in. And loving it. Uh, and he's also, of course, best known as being the script editor of The Persuasionists, the uh, BBC Two sitcom. Will you please welcome his Andrew Collins, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew Collins today. Welcome. Andrew Collins, Collins and Herring. We have literally not spoken for five and a half years. It's the first thing we're going to, I'm going to say to you, how's your mum, Andrew? Is she all right? I haven't spoken to them since the election. Have you not? Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, I mean, the, the referendum. The I referendum. Haven't spoken well, that's even further along. That's yeah, a long, that's that's a a long time ago. ago yeah. Let it go. I can't. Okay. Oh, it started off badly. Yes. <laughs> started off well. They won't hear this. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, so tell me what it was. What is it like loving the 1980s so much? <laughs> and what is out of all the things of the 1980s? What would you say? If, can you choose one thing that you love the best? Um, and which year was it from? Uh, it's really difficult. The 80s got good at the end when we got rid of Mrs. Thatcher. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Um, no. Um, the. I was only on the first three episodes of I Love the 80s. You were not, you were in all episodes. Which is, which was Go 19, die MDB a nerd and make yeah, sure that is made true. 1980, 1981, 1982. So it wasn't on 1983, which is my favourite year. <laughs> That's one. That's so cruel. Yeah. But showbiz is fucking cruel. What, if, if you had been in I Love 1983, what would you have said you loved uh, about 1983? The, 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 obviously the election of Margaret Thatcher. That was yeah. uh, Cecil Parkinson. Uh, did very well in that election. I seem yeah. to remember he was there. Everyone was excited about Cecil Parkinson. Yeah, 1983 was brilliant. Uh, Pete Wiley, Story of the Blues. I met. I great. met. So, uh, nothing. These people are so young. I met Cecil Parkinson. I met Cecil Parkinson uh, two weeks before you he killed died. him. Yeah. Well, I think I did. Yeah, I think you did. I nearly bought Cecil Parkinson's house. He's changed. Since <laughs> <laughs> I knew him, he's changed. His house wasn't as expensive as you would imagine it would have been. It was still quite expensive. We didn't get it in the end, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, he said to me, we're in this little village near Potter's Bar. Was he lived in this vicarage. And A, I would say, if I'd been in the IRA, I don't know how they didn't kill Cecil Parkinson, because he just lived on the road. You just needed a... 
He had a panic room, though, so that might be how he got away with it. Uh, and um, B, he said to me, as he was nice, he was a vuncular, and he said to me, oh, in, uh, in times of pestilence, you're allowed to draw a bucket of water from the well. I said, yeah, you created a lot of years. That was allowed to happen then, wasn't it? It's in your... Oh, it was horrible, Cecil Parkinson. You won't know who he is. He was a very unpleasant man. He was, nice uh, man. He was uh, uh, a philanderer, wasn't he? Well, more than a philanderer. He, was, he impregnated his secretary. Yes, right. And, um, then yeah, I remember that. That was in the 80s, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he, um, he, uh, the baby was uh, disabled, and then she had an operation which made her even more disabled, I think, had brain damage. I mean. And he uh, disowned her and uh, never met her and refused to meet her even when she was growing up. Wow. Good, he's dead, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> is there a plaque on there? There yeah, is. <laughs> with all that on it. I, when my wife heard about this, she didn't want to buy it. It was a nice house, but she didn't want to buy it. They kept on lowering the price. Uh, and I was going to go to them and say, we'll give you the price you're asking for, but 10% of that money has to go to Flora Keys, your daughter, <laughs> who, you, who you have no photos of up in your house. Wow. But I didn't, I just gave him what he was asking for. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, cheer, cheer the hypocrite. <laughs> we've all um, changed, we've all changed. It was. It's been but I didn't. I, it would have been, I, I, my wife was correct. I only wanted to live in the house, so I could say I'm now living in... I just thought that would be cool that, I, that yeah, Cecil cool, Parkinson's yeah. house went to me. Yeah. And then I would spoil it. No. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it, so it's no like way. being in Hollywood. They, they all want to live in somebody else's house who's famous, don't they? Yeah. So you go, I live in Joel McRae's house. Yeah. I threw that in because I knew none of you would know who that was. Because you don't even know who Cecil Parkinson is, do you? You don't. Oh, hang oh. on. Hang on a minute. There's a, a student down there. So, you're probably also best known for writing the book <laughs> Friends Reunited, yeah. Remarkable Real Life Stories yeah. from the Nation's Favourite Website. That, the, the great thing about that book, the great thing about doing the Friends Reunited book yep. was that uh, the publishers had, um, and I won't name them, had uh, asked somebody else to write the book, which, and don't forget, Friends Reunited at the time... Was it was, Cecil Parkinson? They yeah, yeah. it's one of his secretaries. They were, um, they, the Friends Reunited were the, the big thing at the time, and no one had done anything like this before. It was kind of pre-Facebook, certainly nothing like this. And so they wanted to write a book about it. And it was based on the experiences of all the people who'd used Friends Reunited to get in touch with people who they were once friends with at school. It was a very lovely idea. But the person who had, they'd asked and commissioned to write the book, who I won't name, um, wasn't even on Friends Reunited. <laughs> and they discovered this and thought, wow, it's <laughs> you just doing this for the money so they basically parted company with that writer and in quite a panic needed somebody else to hurry up and finish the yeah. book so they asked me and I was on Friends United yeah. because that's what we used to do in those old days Cecil Parkinson you <laughs> me that's what we used to do in the old days before Facebook and um, so, so I wrote the books on Friends a lot of cool kids down on Friends Reunited, aren't they? It's not, it doesn't exist. Does it exist anymore? It can't. I think it is still going. Does it? Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Well, that's lovely. Going. That's lovely. Anyway, the, the two people who ran it were a husband and wife team. They're really nice people. And they ran it for all the right reasons, but then got to a point where they could sell it for an incredible amount of money. That was after we did the book. And they sold it to ITV, I think I'm right yeah, in saying. Yeah, it was correct. a really an incredible amount of money. But these two people, you wouldn't deny them that. They came up with it. <laughs> they set it up. They got it going. And then they made a load of money. Good for them. Nothing wrong with that. And did when they made the money, did they then just go, fine, let's stop and not do anything? 
something else. Yeah, I don't know. Because what, what happens. happens when people make they make two hundred million pounds doing something and then yeah. they put the two hundred million pounds into something else. Yeah, I, I kind of go well. It wasn't two hundred million enough. I have no idea that. because there's never a time when you need two million that they probably it probably just ruined them. I don't know. I hope that's not true because they were very nice people. But it could have ruined them, couldn't it? A lot of money coming in suddenly. Could I'd, ruin cope. You. I'd cope with that. Yeah. That'd be fine. It cha- anyway, I wrote the book. Me. I wrote the book, and at the time, because it looked like it was going to be a massive bestseller, and yes. this is a credit to my agent at the time. She said we should definitely get in a percentage, and she they were desperate for me to hurry up and finish the book. So she said, let's get a percentage because this could be a massive seller. You could be getting a million quid from this, and uh, we did. We managed that, and I wrote the book, and it came out, and nobody bought it, and I never got a million quid. Uh, I, I got a copy. <laughs> did you? Yeah, did I did, you buy I, it? Or? I did buy a copy. Oh, I, don't, I never you. read it. I've read your other books, but yeah, I didn't yeah. read that. I can, you can buy um, your one of your books on audio cassette, can't you? Still, <laughs> you can <laughs> buy it. Yeah. I, found, I found some of those the other day. We're clearing out, and I Chris Evans some sometimes uses them as ballast if there's not enough. Yeah, there's, no. there's, not, <laughs> there's not enough stuff no. in the box. No, I've got I quite a few copies of it. Yeah, so. they, they're good cladding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a word. I um, have a really horrible smell of garlic up here. <laughs> <laughs> have you? Um, I, I looked up AndrewCollins.com. And got quite a surprise. Oh yeah, the the the, the uh, a, mystic. Have you, there's a lot. It looks good. A lot. I should have had the other Andrew Collins on. He's written. He's written. He does a talk about the lost technology of and wisdom of the ancients. He does. Yeah. And, he's all uh, about pyramids. And he's written a book called the. Oh, I can't read my own writing. The sig. This something mystery. I can't read what it is. He's big on uh, the mythology and and history and particularly ancient mythology. And when I was at the NME, as a very young, uh, new employee at the NME, we did a feature on Andrew Collins for a Glastonbury issue. And I was very new there, so I was the second most famous Andrew Collins in the office. (laughs) And I felt really aggrieved that we had to do this picture about this long-haired bloke called Andrew Collins. And we did him as part of the kind of mystic Glastonbury coverage in 1989, I would Still going, he's got a good... Look up AndrewCollins.com. Yeah, the NME's still going as well, but it's fucking free. You just pick it up at a safe place. Is that right? It's free now, yeah. Yeah, free. Terrible tragedy. Well, Time Out's free as well. That that galls me. Yeah. Well, it galls me that the the, the Guardian is going to tiny tabloid format as well. The the print media is dying, and it's your fault. (laughs) And it's partly... We used to have newspapers on our laps the whole time when we did the podcast. Since the podcast has ended... The newspaper industry has gone down the toilet. It's mainly our fault. For it's not definitely buying. our fault. We, were, no, we bought all the newspapers once a week, buy, and that probably to... kept oh. them all going. I found it... some uh, some cuttings that I kept yeah. from it. So if, if if things go really shit, we can just get some of these. That's all right. It's like yeah. that's like an old school emergency questions it folder. Is. It is. <laughs> Do you remember this though? I've got to get this. This is good. Even if we don't get to the others. Do you remember this? Uh, Britain's worst serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've still got that. I'm so sentimental. But uh, Britain's Worst Serial Killers has got all the Britain's Worst Serial Killers in it. Do you remember this routine? It's a good routine. It's about the only good routine I had. Uh, Richard used to say, you're very confident when you get on stage, but you've got no material. Very, very. It's amazing confidence. Yeah. But it's got Myra Hindley, uh, Dennis Nilsson, uh, Fred West. They're not Britain's Worst Serial Killers, are they? <laughs> They're Britain's Best Serial Killers. They are. <laughs> great to be back I hate it I hate it when comedians come in here and just do their material 
Just come on, <laughs> shoehorn it in. What is, you're from Northampton, right? Um, it's, at the moment, it's terrible because Northampton is a classic kind of Brexit place. Yeah. A place where, which is nowhere. It's neither north nor south Northampton. It's a horrible kind of nowhere place, which I grew up in and really enjoyed, as you may well have read. Uh, really enjoyed my childhood in Northampton, but having got out of it and looking back on it now, I, I feel kind of slightly disappointed that all of my family and everybody who lives in Northampton voted for Brexit and voted the Tories back in. Yeah. Um, in Northampton North and Northampton South. Look what you've done to Andrew Collins, yeah. Northampton. <laughs> Next time you get a vote, try and be more left-wing yeah. in your voting. And I, and I did have the conversation, you know that, that, that thing was kind of coming up just before the election where people would talk about speaking with their parents or their grandparents, but try it. my grandparents are dead so I couldn't speak to them, but the parents saying, what are you doing? You know, why are you, do why are you doing this? You don't, do you like Theresa May? They go, not really. Well, so why are you, why are you voting for her? Why are you voting for the Tories? And, and, and they were going, because we've always voted for the Tories. And this is what we're up against. <laughs> I don't want to fall out of my mum and dad. I like my mum and dad. Really I have nice. a very Tory uh, listenership, so this is the reason they're reacting like this, is that they are very... They can't believe... What have the Tories done wrong recently? I mean, come on. Yeah, really? Come on. What mistakes have they even made? Yeah. Name 11 things they've done wrong <laughs> in the last two weeks. What, I brought up Northampton because I wanted to ask you, what is the tallest building in Northampton? Well, it's, it's got to be the tower, the, the, the Express Lifts Tower, surely. National Lift Tower, correct. Yeah, and that was, uh, it became famous when I was still living there yeah. um, because Terry Wogan, who used to do the breakfast show on Radio 2, for some reason kind of fixated on this place, the, the tower. Right. And he called it the, the Northampton Lighthouse or something like that. And it became kind of cause celeb if you listen to uh, Radio <laughs> 2, which everybody did in those days. And, uh, yeah, we were going, yeah, that, of course we know all about the tower. What are you trying to make us famous for? Yeah. Patronising. Well, <laughs> well, but good. now You're I've not... moved away from Northampton. Yeah, fuck them. Not everyone knows the, not everyone knows the tallest building in their, the town they grew up no, in, so true. you did well. Because you can't miss it. As you're driving in from the M1, which is the way that I drive into it, uh, there it is. And it's, I don't know whether they use it anymore. I think it's now just a hollow symbol of Northampton's uh, decline. <laughs> People but it was. Lifts were big in Northampton. Uh, shoes first, then lifts. And uh, when I got to London, and I remember going up in a lift, and it actually had express lifts written on it, I thought I was very proud. Yeah. I thought, we made that in the town that I've left because it wasn't interesting enough. <laughs> I like Northampton. I think the people there are pretty cool. So, I like uh, it now. Alan Moore lives there. Who loves here? Alan, oh, Moore. Alan Moore. Alan Moore is a brilliant man, but he is, he is unlike everybody else in Northampton. And the thing about Alan Moore which I know you will love Alan Moore. He's, this, he's a kind of a, a seer or a prophet. And uh, they always say, if you go to a certain kind of arts, artis, artisanal, never like to say artisanal, artisanal, <laughs> artisanal, say artisanal, artisanal coffee shops, uh, you'll see Alan Moore with his big old beard just having a, a vegetarian pasty. And that is what Northampton's like. <laughs> the most famous man in Northampton still lives there. Come on, you're the most famous man from Northampton. Don't, don't put yourself down. I'm not. So you were in a podcast called... I like the, the fact that he's reading it off the a fucking notebook that <laughs> like I've never the, met before. The Collings and Herring podcast, yeah, I don't know what that was. Yeah. Um, one of the first podcasts that was out. It was. It was. We invented podcasts. We weren't the first. We were it's the your second. idea, though. It's in a way... It was my idea. In a way, this is all... All this is all down to this. you. All yeah. this, this, this half full there. Yeah. <laughs> 
always wanted to come it's back a, here and do a hardcore uh, theatre. It's all down to you. Because you went, how did it start? How did the podcast start? It with Richard, Richard Herring, who's gone on to amazing success. He has done, he's done well. Uh, he's, he no longer treads these boards. But I, I was inspired when I was asked to appear on the Word magazine. You remember Word magazine? Make sure you hold this close to your face. Hello, it's Word magazine. A, it's just a broadcasting thing. Yeah. Broadcasting. I don't think it is a broad. I think this is a live show. But yeah. you know, if you want to broadcast it, that's fine. <laughs> Word magazine that I used to work for. They started a podcast, and they asked me to go on it. And all they had on the table was a laptop, and I had never seen anything. Well, I'd seen a laptop, but <laughs> I'd never seen anything. The all like. you'd seen was a shoe in the lift. Yeah. That's all you'd seen. <laughs> After this point, <laughs> there was a uh, there was a thing called GarageBand on it. You're all aware of this now, but GarageBand at the time, and, and all they did was just kind of press a button, and we recorded it, and it went out, and they put it out. And I thought, this is brilliant. We could do this. I've got a laptop. I've got an Apple Mac laptop with GarageBand on it. I've never even looked. So I said to Richard, and the reason I said it to him is because he used to be a guest on my program on Six Music. And then I don't know what happened to the whether the show ended or you got kicked off. I, can't I think remember. you. I think it ended, didn't it? I think we both got. Yeah. We, but, yeah. Anyway, either way, we decided that we would start one, and obviously with no money changing hands, we just did it for the fun of it, and we really enjoyed doing it. It was good fun, and that was all because of Word Magazine showing me that it was basically available to us. When we realised how easy it was to do, we needed yeah. one nerd, which was Orange Mark from Orange uh, Mark, the British yeah. Comedy Guides. Yeah. He's called Orange Mark because we never paid him anything. No. But one time he came into town and we went and we said we'd get you we a coffee. We took him out. We took him out for a coffee and he said he didn't want a coffee, he'll have an orange juice. <laughs> and so for a short time we said in return for what he was doing for us, which was quite a lot, we'd give him one glass of orange juice a year. <laughs> and so yeah. it's called Orange Mark now. Yeah. I still call him Orange Mark. I know. Thank you, Mark, for doing that. And Aaron, yeah. who sometimes no, puts this up. No, it's brilliant. Mark was great. And, and, and I, I hear that Downing Street have got him in to, uh, to <laughs> chat with them about the DUP. <laughs> Mista <laughs> mistakenly, <laughs> obviously. But it was basically, it was basically uh, looking back on it now, thinking back now on the old days, <laughs> it was just me and Richard sitting in his uh, top room in his house, just talking for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Because the, I don't, I'm sure it's not true anymore, but Gary's Brown would cut off after, what was it, one hour? One hour, six minutes and 33 six. seconds or so something we, like that. We knew it would end at one hour, six minutes, 33 seconds. And so we just kept talking until the end. And sometimes kept on talking after that and didn't yeah, realise did, it yeah. stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but it always did stop. They were really, and I hate to say it, marvellous times. Ah, <laughs> They were, well they were, and I, listened, were. But I didn't really ever listen to them at the time because I thought it was just, two blokes no, talking was, rubbish. He was, but less, he was um, always less interested in it than I was. But I listened back to one because I got an email from uh, Rob Perkins, uh, who, um, I think about episode, I've, I've forgotten the episode, it's the one that starts um, with me going, bumming, bum, bum, bumming, <laughs> which was for a while my ringtone on my phone. Because <laughs> someone, because uh, someone did a few, did the Virgilio Anderson that, of course, Andy McH is wearing the Virgilio, who is yeah. Virgilio Anderson uh, t-shirt. Uh, there was, I still, that's still my phone ringtone, the Virgilio Anderson, I think. Uh, but uh, they, uh, Rob Perkins uh, contacted you at Six Music. Uh, well, I think, in fact, the, um, the Mayo and Commode movie show, whatever that's called, and you were, you were hosting it that week I with Colin Murray. Yeah, filling him. And um, he asked you to propose to his then-girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, but not, not to actually propose. Yeah, not for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Though, in, as it turned out, uh, 
then, so we did it on the podcast instead, in which I proposed on his behalf yeah, to his girlfriend, but then talked about bumming quite a lot, and, uh, and then said I thought I was probably better than Rob Perkins, and, yeah, uh, and yeah. sight yeah. unseen, I was prepared to take yeah. his girlfriend Joe yeah. on, take her if she on, wanted yeah. to take yeah. a chance. But I, I, I just reckoned I was probably better than him. Yeah. And I, and I, was, I was saying you should, it was quite extreme. It's it very, was, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't recognise that young it was man. Not, it was not. <laughs> but, it was but not it was, the stuff of romance. And but it was very box. funny. But anyway, Rob Perkins got in touch to say that he and Joe are uh, divorced, sadly. And <laughs> no, they, 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 <laughs> they've been married for seven years. Seven. And years. have three children, and that is down to me. Right, that down, is yeah, all yeah. down to me. Yeah. I now have five children, effectively. Yeah. Plus, I did fuck his wife, and uh, <laughs> so one of them actually is mine. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Joe Hill, as she was. Uh, so, uh, they didn't seem to mind. No, the, 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 the weird thing about it, looking back, and it is now um, five years and six months ago since we last did one, and that was a really bad one, but the one before that was okay. The, uh, the, the response from people was quite uh, astonishing. Very warm and sort of in the groove of what we were doing. Because we, yeah. we just did... We just started talking and then stopped talking. They're good. I can't believe how good they are. No, I know. I've well, the one I listen to. I mean, if, as long as you like a middle-aged man chatting about bumming, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, which I, which I eventually which... did. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for quite a long time, I put up with it. Yeah. Do you think that tension between us will ever be resolved? No. And that we might... No. No, I don't think so. Right. It's, it's become more complicated since you've started to have children. Well, it doesn't matter. That doesn't mean I can't bum a bloke, does it? That's not... That's not uh, there's nothing in the marriage vows about that. <laughs> there isn't. Yeah. And I wouldn't... If it had been in there, I'd say I can't, I can't promise that. <laughs> I cannot promise that. <laughs> but I said, he said, forsaken all others, except if a bloke wants to be... Not even wants to be, but I reluctantly... <laughs> Reluctantly agrees that it'd be good for his career. Did you know that the uh, the classic, I think, 1950s musical, Hollywood musical, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, yes. is about seven blokes kidnapping seven <laughs> women and fucking raping them? I didn't know that. No, that's true. I just like to throw it in. Okay. Don't don't see how that's connected to me having right. anal sex with you <laughs> against your will. Um, I I, I, do you know what? Can I just say, yeah. I can't believe that he's asking me questions. Because in all the time we did the podcast, he was never that interested in me. <laughs> well, it's I true. Could... I used to go around and go, hello, Richard, it was all at his house. I go, hi, come on in. Do you want a cup of coffee or a glass of orange or whatever? And then we would go upstairs and then Ooh, we would just start podcasting. <laughs> and at no point did he ever express any interest in me whatsoever. That is not. That is very untrue. You heard the podcast. <laughs> At what point did he go? Hang I, was a minute, I, the, I was playing the. I was playing zany character. It was a very zany nice. character. It was a very That's zany character. Nice. A zany character who never said, "How has it been going this week with you?" Andrew? That is. <laughs> we got to get this out. You know, we're, gonna do this. we're never going to do this again, are we? Boo. Boo, who too? Yeah. Me or him? Ah, boo. He's oh, boo. They're booing you. Fans, aren't you? They're booing you. Yeah. I have not that tried not to true. gain any more fans since I left Richard. <laughs> what I can't believe is I've written the Mitford sisters down in my, bo- in my book <laughs> to encourage you to, to talk about that. I still like them. <laughs> yeah. they'll, probably make, they'll probably be a new lot of Mitford sisters, won't they, with the way the I world's going? We, I think when I started talking about them, there was still one alive Mitford sister who is now no longer with us. Oh. Debo has gone, so there are no more Mitford sisters. 
<laughs> yeah, I miss those Nazi-loving old women. She wasn't a Nazi. Uh, Deborah was not a Nazi. She said that if she'd ever met Hitler, she would have killed him. She did. She did. So, a murderer. <laughs> I've got an emergency question for you. It's an emergency question. Uh, I can't children. believe we got to an emergency question. It's for emergency God's question. Sake. You, I told you, he's not interested in me. <laughs> he's not interested in my life. He hasn't asked me about anything. Just asked you a load of fucking shit about spent, all this shit stuff spent, you've done. spent an hour with Zoe Lyons asking her all about her career and how she got where she is today. He's not interested in me. <laughs> About you got it's emergency questions. We've been here about, about ten minutes. The tallest building in Northampton. What would you want? <laughs> Question two ninety. If you're following at home or here in the room with your own, I'm t- someone said you should just not. I shouldn't ask the question. I just say question two ninety, and then people at home have to go. Oh. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five hundred years' time? <laughs> Dead. Not necessarily. Well, I necessarily, yeah, I think. I'm, I'm, bits of me are falling apart. Have you ever, anyone read that book by William Leith, Bits of Me Are Falling Apart? No. <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> Look, loads of people have got this book. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, not enough, though, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's trying to sell it all the time, and I assume that nobody's bought it yet. I listened to it. He as wrote well. the Friends Reunited book. <laughs> yeah, but I took a, I took a percentage which I didn't get any anything back for. I'm not. I've I've given all the money this to making this. Yeah, I know. I, but I don't bother with all that shit. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a radio show. I. <laughs> The last one I had got cancelled <laughs> because of you. Not because of me. Because of you. No, because of you. I told you not to do it, and you did it. You got no, cancelled because of you. Not that one. The one before, the one that we were both on. Yeah, that's right. That one. It was because of you. <laughs> Let's not dig this up. Let's have a nice, having a nice time. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> What did Zoline say about drinking? Uh, drink? <laughs> I'll ask you another emergency question. I'll ask you that one backstage. It was a small chocolate bar for the people in the room. It was, it was the smallest chocolate bar. Do you think they will ever make a Hunger Games-style film but based around the ITV daytime quiz show Tipping Point? I have watched The Tipping Point, yeah. as is one of my mum and dad's favourites. Whenever I go up to uh, Northampton, we always watch The Tipping Point and The Chase and Pointless. But of those three, only Pointless do I watch at home for my own pleasure. Have you been on Pointless? No, I haven't. I know you have. Yeah. Three I've, times. Yeah, I've seen you on it. And, uh, you know, since I gave up showbiz, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't measure myself against how many things you've done that I haven't done anymore. I used to. I did used to, Richard, as you I asked know. if you'd done Pointless. Yeah, I know. But when a man I mean, who's been not. on Pointless, when a man on Pointless who's been on three times says, have you ever been on Pointless? That means, have you been on Pointless as many times as I have? It does. That's what I it thought, means. You know, they're so lax on who they'll let on to Pointless. Yeah, but I, I, discovered that that I, that on, I discovered that on Mastermind, but, you know, apparently not Pointless. 
Do you know why I'm not on Pointless? Because I've asked to be on it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a massive mistake. Anyone who wants to go into showbiz, don't do what I occasionally do, which is ask if I can do something. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I asked if, if I could be on Taskmaster. They said no, because if you ask to be on Taskmaster, you can't be on Taskmaster. And that was Alex Horn and Greg Davis telling me that. And apparently Rachel Riley, yeah. she asked also, she can't be on it either. So you'll never see me or her. And if you see her and not me, then you'll know they were lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> and what they meant was, you're not as sexy as Rachel Riley, so you can't be on it. So ask sometimes, but be prepared, because Celebrity Mastermind, Celebrity Mastermind is a great case in point. I, would l I always wanted to be on Celebrity Mastermind, and I noticed that a lot of my friends are being on it, not least him, but also Stuart McConey, various other people I know, and I thought, well, if they can be on it, surely I can be on it. Not because I thought I was great, but because I thought they're just people I know. So how hard can it be? And when it came down to it, Celebrity Mastermind offered via my agent that I could be the kind of substitute person on it, right? Which would mean they would pay for me to go up to Manchester for a couple of days to be around in case anybody who was supposed to be on it couldn't be there for some reason, like illness, let's say. And my agent said, you could do that, and they will pay you to go up there to do that. So the mercenary part of me thought, yeah, I should do that. But then I thought, no, fuck it. I'm not going to be that person. So I said to my agent, tell them, fuck it. He's not going to be that kind of person. So what happened was, in the intervening weeks, they said, actually, we would like him to come on and be a guest. <laughs> so I thought, at that moment, there you go. I've proved the best thing to be is not just do anything for anybody who asks just for the money. Occasionally, stand your ground, and I did. And so I did get to go on it. And the week that I was on it was the week that David Guest was supposed to be one of the other <laughs> contestants. He didn't die. It wasn't that week. <laughs> But he wasn't very well, so he couldn't do it. And do you know who did it? The comedian Stuart Francis, who had been on it once before on a charity edition. They'd asked him to go up and be the person who sits around in case anyone's died or got ill, and he did it. <laughs> and I got more points than him. That's my story. You know what I hate? I hate when people go on and great detail about the times they've been on TV quiz shows and won't, won't let it go. You know what I mean? I got, um, I gave my feed to charity. Well, I gave my feed to charity. Well, why were you getting paid? You were going to well, get you paid. paid. But, but they, no, but the paying part was that you were paid to go up and be the person who was no. around just in case they needed you. So actually, I would have got paid. So it would have be been better to go and be it the person better to Stuart, not be on it. Did Stuart Francis get paid for being the bloke who goes up to not that, be on it and then was on it? That is a very interesting question. And well, I then did he lose it. his money that yeah, he was going to get and then it went to charity? Yeah, that's very interesting. Because <laughs> there was definitely money involved to be the person who might not be on it. <laughs> Maybe they assumed that you would give it to charity. I am, after all, the patron of a charity. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what that means, he thinks that I'm not. Thomas's Fund. Thomas's Fund, who got a massive grant from Children in Need last Does year, they? so good yeah. for them. Yeah, massive grant. Good for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true, I do take an awful lot of that money. <laughs> in expenses. Um. <laughs> What was it like, script editing the persuasionists? See, it's all about you. Do you know what? It's very interesting, well, yeah, script editing the persuasionists, because <clears throat> I was asked to do it by um, Ian and Damon, who are yeah. the people who came up with The Inbetweeners and have their own production company. And they had basically got this advertising guy 
who'd been in advertising and had done some apparently famous advertising. I can't remember what it was, but it was kind of decent advertising that he'd come up with. And he wanted to write a sitcom about being in advertising, and it was commissioned by, was it BBC Two? I think BBC Two. I believe so. <coughs> and uh, Ian and Damon, who had produced the Inbetweeners, were in a good position. And so they got this six-part series. And they asked me to go in and script edit it, and it was very interesting. And it was interesting because it was done in front of a live studio audience in Thames Television, where so many sitcoms have been done, including Not Going Out. And there, yeah, it's funny. There's some people laughing. Just, just the name of a program that I worked on. And, <laughs> and what I will say about the experience is it's very interesting because it included Ian Lee, former guest of yours. Yeah. And um, who else was in it? Some amazing people. Adam Buxton. Daisy Haggard was in it. Adam Buxton. It's basically a list, list of amazing people. And because this guy who had never written a sitcom before was asked to write one, he needed a lot of help. And it didn't quite come out in the end how everyone wanted. But while we were recording it and filming it every night for six nights in front of an audience who were laughing their asses off, we all thought, this is going to be great. And it turned out not to be. <laughs> it's an interesting experience to work on something that doesn't turn out to be as good as you think it's going to be. Everybody thought it was going to be great. All the people involved were great. People in it were great. The audience laughed their asses off for every one of the six recordings. And it went on to BBC Two, and it was so badly reviewed, they shoved it to about 11.30 or something, and then I think either didn't show it or didn't bother showing it at a time when anybody was going to be awake. And it was a horrible experience for everybody involved. But it just shows how much, when you do a sitcom with an audience, how much you think, it's all going brilliantly. And then it goes on telly, and it doesn't look very good at all. It's an amazing lesson to learn. Just because you've got a show on BBC Two, and it's got good people in it, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Well, but there's a lot of luck in all these things, isn't there? Yeah, a bit of luck, but at the same time, genuinely, you're sitting there in Thames Television Studios with a massive audience of people like you, laughing at all of the jokes, and you have to do everything two or three times. If you've been, I'm sure you have, um, been to a recording... They're at a recording now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but one, one way... They've all been to a recording. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think of this as a recording. No, you should. Is it being recorded? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it's going to be recorded. Done, it's been recorded twice. I thought it was live. Anyway, uh, yeah. So it you is know, live you, as well. You go sit one of those audiences. This is, this is, <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> People laugh. In studio audiences, they will laugh, and they will laugh, and they'll make you laugh again at the same joke again, and you'll keep laughing. Not you, but we will all keep laughing. Uh, they are, they do pretty much. I <laughs> mean, not in the you. same show, it's it just week by week, it's the same joke. So it was an amazingly interesting experience to work on a show that was a massive failure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you were getting at. I'm not, I'm being very defensive, Andrew. You didn't pick up, you didn't pick up on a show that I've scripted that was successful. You picked no, because there isn't one. <laughs> I picked the most successful... Adults. <laughs> All of your guests have been on shows that I have script edited. They have. They have. In Between Us 2. We had Joe Thomas on the other. In Between Us 2, yeah. How, did, how was that? Did you get to it's, go out to... It's amazing. I didn't Australia. get to go to Australia. No, no. No, I sat in a room with the writers and uh, told them that their script was very good indeed. It's <laughs> pretty much what happened, yeah. <laughs> no, I did, really seriously. They, were, they had written the script for The Inbetweeners 2, which had a lot of pressure because it had done so well, the first film. And they were going to Australia. It cost a lot of money. They were going to direct it themselves. And they suddenly had a moment of panic and thought, maybe this is not good enough 
to go to Australia and make into a film. So they thought, we well, need to get somebody in to just tell us that it's okay. And that was me. <laughs> so I told him it was okay, because it was okay. I don't know if you've seen the film, but it was, it was okay. So it was good, that guy it says was, good. It Who was thinks it was, the in between us two, was it better or worse than best man's speech? <laughs> and there's only one woman qualified to tell us in tonight's audience. Have you seen in between us two? Yeah, so I'm, I'm nearly 50. I'm 50 as we speak, uh, as to where this is going out. You haven't seen In Between Us 2, you should watch it. Andrew Collins uh, told them it was good. It's fine. It's, it's got a big scene in it where somebody does a shit down a, 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 a kind of a thing in a swimming pool. What's it? A flume. Yeah, flume. I love your audience. I thought that, that was not for me. <laughs> Is that for you? Is that better than... Do you, think, do you think someone doing a shit down a flume, is that better or worse than Best Man's Speech? From like, I know you wait from last week's show to... Just ima- if you imagine someone doing a shit down a flume and then think about Best Man's Speech 2, what do you think is best of those two things? Well, even my kids wouldn't go to wouldn't, Even your kids wouldn't go and... I know, but I'm just asking you, like, hypothetically, I don't care about your kids. They're important to you, I understand, but no one else cares. Um, you've seen Best Man's Speech 2. One, rather. No, so was, there, was never, there was never a second series of that. Um, and now I'm just asking you to imagine a piece of shit going down a flume. And I want to know which of those two things you prefer. Hang on, I should add that the, the, the shit that's going down the flume is, is going behind... Simon Bird, who's also going down the flume, so he doesn't want it to... So there's a tension. Hey, don't build up the shit going down the flume. That's giving the shit going down the flume an unfair advantage over best man's speech. Got an answer? No. I, Richard, I just can't choose between those two. I simply cannot choose. Um... <laughs> Oh my god. So in the days of uh, NME and Vox and Q that you were, what, there must be some stories of the, of the old days. I'm very interested in your life, Andrew. Well, I can't I believe. <laughs> I wanted you to be my, the best man at my wedding. For fuck's sake. Uh, so, um, what. Um, I wasn't the best man at your wedding. I wanted you to be, and then things went wrong, didn't they? Did, but you, was, want, yeah. did you want yeah, me to be? Yeah. This is new. I didn't know this. You did know that. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't know that you would even consider me as the best man for your wedding. I told you, and you said, no, you didn't. You don't even remember anything. You're making up stories in your head about what happened. What? Uh, so, uh, what, you told me that you wanted me to be, and then we fell out, and then no, you didn't No, I told you afterwards. And you said, you? No, you'd, no, you didn't. Let's have this conversation off stage. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's, like, no. it's fascinating. It reminds I... me about the last time I had my other double out partner on. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know you had another double act. Yeah, sorry, I should, have told, I should have mentioned it at the time. I, thought, I was seeing someone else behind your back. Yeah. The thing went wrong with me and you, Richard, is that I was a fan of yours, and I still am. I, nothing, you know, that isn't what went wrong. It uh, is. What happened at the end? It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. I, 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 our, our relationship was uneven in that I was a huge fan of yours and you were not a huge fan of mine. <laughs> but not in the not same sure. way. I don't that... have people on here I'm not huge fans of, Andrew. Yeah, but this is the first time you've had me on it. You were... <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you on more another time <laughs> if you stop being so needy. So. Needy. You've had you've had nearly everybody else on. 
<laughs> I don't think me. you go needy and then say you've had almost everyone else. I don't, I don't think you can question needy and then say you've had almost. No, I'm backing up that your description of me being needy. You're yeah. right. <laughs> but only but I am a big fan needy. of yours, and you also you introduced me to podcast. You, when I was in a in a period where things weren't going so well, you were championing me. I did. So I, uh, I, I you know, you're a very important person in my career, and I, I still consider you my friend. And uh, I hope we can now have a conversation, <laughs> <laughs> like in a bantering way, uh, in, a, in a kind of shallow about way. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about working. What, what bands did you go on <laughs> off on the? <laughs> what bands did I interview? What bands did you go in the buses with and stuff? I was in and a, take cocaines and have sex with groupies with. I was in a uh, broken down van uh, on the border between Germany, I think it was Germany and, and the Netherlands, with Chris Cornell, who's recently died, of uh, a sand garden when they were not famous and I was sent off to interview them in Europe and saw them play a gig. And on the way home, the van broke down and we were sitting in this van. They were very nice, he was very nice. They were all a very nice bunch of people. But they were in Europe and they were American, so they felt kind of lost and slightly kind of uh, ill at ease. And the van broke down and we had to wait for the, I guess it was either German or Dutch equivalent of the AA. I'm not quite sure what that was, but we couldn't go anywhere, we were just sitting in the van. And I was lucky enough to be of, to be sent out there with a photographer called Derek Ridges. Derek Ridges, when I do an impression of him, you'll think I'm doing a kind of mocking impression of him, but this is what he actually sounded like. So we were sitting in this van, pissed off. We'd been to see a really good gig, but now we were stuck in the middle of nowhere, trying to get back, waiting for the AA, whatever they're called in Germany or Holland. We were somewhere on the border, and everyone just sitting around, pissed off in the back of the van. And Derek Ridges piped up after a long silence and said, so, uh, you come from Seattle which was true. And he said, uh, is it nice there? <laughs> and I'll never forget that. <laughs> That's Derek Ridges. Man, it will always break the ice. He needed the book of emergency questions. Yeah, That's what he needed. He did, yeah, that was the best question he had. He had yeah. one book of que one question <laughs> in his book. So yes, I was very lucky to be in the back of the van with some famous people. Is that people. really the best thing that happened on the house? <laughs> no, it was a thing that become, became important when I realised that the poor man had died okay. of uh, whatever it is he died of. Rock and roll. It was rock and roll, yeah. Yeah, very sad. <laughs> so I, brought the, uh, I brought the mood down, so yeah. let's bring it back I up thought, now. You know, That's why I asked about yeah. the Emery. I was asked about the Emery to try and rescue the mood. <laughs> that had been created by the you know, previous embarrassment. The funny thing is, the enemy, because the enemy is now a thing that you are asked to pick up in a supermarket when you've just bought your, your stuff, um, I find tragic because I grew up reading the enemy thinking it was, a, it was, it was literally for me, as someone out in the provinces, um, a, a Bible, and that seems a kind of overused phrase about the enemy, but all the music press was the same way. Because we were talking about the kind of late 70s, early 80s, when there was obviously no internet, that goes without saying. But if you're interested in music, you could stay up late and listen to John Peel. You didn't have any uh, way of recording it other than holding a microphone next to the radio and taping it onto a cassette. And um, on television, you could watch Top of the Pops. If you were lucky enough, a band you like would be on Top of the Pops. But by and large, if you wanted to know about music that wasn't in the top 20, let's say, you had to buy a music paper. And in those days, the enemy was about that big, and it was black and white, and it was full of words. 
And now it's about that big and it's basically full of adverts because that's the only way they can keep it going because it's for free. So they have to get advertising in order to exist. And that is a tragic trajectory, I think, of all of, not my life, but all of our lives, that were once newspapers and books and things that were made of parchment meant something. And to find out something, you had to search for it and find it, whereas now it's very easy to find things. And in some ways, that's taken a lot of the magic out of it, I think. And that's why I have no idea who is number one in the album charts or the singles charts, although I'm guessing Ed Sheeran is number one in both of them. <laughs> and I would rather kill myself than listen to Ed Sheeran. <laughs> and... Come on, Andrew, it couldn't have been 1983 forever. It can, I know how much you liked it there. 1983 was the, great. Things had to move on. They did. But, and the Top of the Pops that they show on BBC4, which I absolutely <laughs> live off, has just finished 83 and we're into 84 now. Yeah. And, and they're a little break because the proms are on or something. And 83 was a fantastic year. It was fantastic. It was full of stuff. The Thompson Twins. And there were so many amazing things well, in You were just young. That's the only thing. No. Look at these young people here having, having the time of their lives. They'll remember... Yeah. They'll go, we used to go to podcasts, and they don't have those anymore. <laughs> Richard Herring died in 2018. <laughs> Bummed to death by Andrew Collins. Yeah. Ironic, ironically, it was an ironic death. Well, I, have, I have forgotten how old I am. That's how old I am. Yeah, you're old. I have forgotten. You're older though. than me, and I, I'm old. Yeah, I'm two years I'm older than you. I'm still in my 40s. Yeah, you, you're not here for about a day. <laughs> in fact, by the time this goes out, you will be... 50. I will very yeah. soon be 50. Yeah, but, uh, I'm worried yeah. about it because it seems to me every time I make a joke, people over 50 don't get the joke. So like when the election was on, uh, I was going, come, I was kept on going on Twitter, come, come on young people, us under 50s have to get out and vote <laughs> so the old fuckers don't ruin everything. And then old people come and go, well, how old are you? You must be nearly 50. And I go, I'm way off 50. I'm 49 years old. They go, well, that's practically 50. <laughs> I go, oh, no, I'm three, four long weeks away from here. <laughs> four weeks is no time at all. Why are you saying these things? They make no sense. So I'm pretty terrified I'm going to lose my sense of humour on July the 12th <laughs> and not understand jokes anymore. Yeah. That postman was older than you thought, though, wasn't he? He was. He was, 40, he yeah, was 42. He was, yeah, so, you know, you can't yeah. judge people by the way they look. I wasn't. I wasn't judging him. I thought I could get with the postman. Yeah. He'd been listening to... Or reading Being my blog, that. I think that's supposed to be. Uh, he, I, I, for the first of my life, I was carrying loads of bags around to trying to post these out to you. Yeah. And uh, I said to him, he said, oh, you... I said, they're heavy. I've got to, can't walk all the way up there. I'm 50 years old. I used that as my excuse. And I wasn't even 50. I was just trying it out. <laughs> and he went, I'm out. he went, I'm 42. So you can fuck off. I thought he looked about 30. So I, I wasn't judging him. I thought, I actually, yeah. if I was judging, I was thinking... You, you thought look, he was like, younger. You look like a young, healthy man. Yeah. That's with the postman lifestyle, though. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, he have sh did he have shorts on? I bet he did. I didn't really look at his Postmen legs. Postmen nearly always have shorts. I was too... Even blind. in the winter. Well, he was not... He was a, um, a man who emptied the post boxes. So I don't know if they oh, have the same think it's a hierarchy. based Yeah, mate, you may be right. He emptied them and was furious. He hated emptying post boxes, yeah. especially if there was stuff in them. <laughs> That made him, made him nothing more furious. So what have you brought? Let's have a look at your stupid no, little folder. I, I don't know what they are. I brought, I brought a folder. Is this all the stuff from the old... I can't remember anything Yeah, but I must about. have kept this for, for some kind of sentimental reasons. Yeah. I'm not sure it's all so good. It's a shame you don't feel any sentiment in yourself. Yeah. But it's nice to have a post on the program. I'm here, aren't I? Look. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I'm here. Scared. It's the first time he's asked me, and I'm here straight away. That should tell you something, right? It's the only time he's asked me, and I went yes. How quickly did I say yes? Not that quickly. You oh. waited overnight. No, I thought wasn't about it. And I'm then sure, it yes. wasn't overnight. No, I, I consulted, but then I came back and said yes, please. I would no, love. No, I wanted you to come. No, I know. <laughs> It says here, 2010, this is so old. Next time when I do this, I'll have you on first, all right? Then, uh, then, we're, then we can all go. I don't want to be on first, when I want to be on last. <laughs> this is the best thing. Pervert it, might be the, to... it might be the end of this now. Yeah. Pervert, this is the kind of thing we used to tear out of newspapers yeah. in the morning when you we were You can still meet. do it, there are still no, newspapers, like it. it's all right. They just, no, they've it's... got a bit smaller, it's fine, the yeah. more trees are being saved. But people don't have to go, little people like me don't have to go like that. <laughs> it's good. Change isn't all bad. I, I agree with you entirely. Okay. Change is bad. A pervert. <laughs> I do agree entirely with you. I think newspapers should be that fucking big. Um, I don't think they should be. I do. Do you agree with me entirely? No, I don't. I disagree with you entirely. Okay. That's I, sort I think, of the opposite of what you just said. They should be that big. What, how big do you think it should I be? I think they should be maximum that big. What the Is that two pages? No, I think they should be so big that it's actually hard to hold your arms out. That's how I think. The enemy was that big when I it's used to work for it. It's difficult to read. It doesn't matter. You so have to put trees some have to die. You have to put some effort in. Anyway, journalism has to work harder. In 2010, it says pervert used Potter Star's head on porn. <laughs> See, that's not changed. This is exactly the kind of story that we're in today, except yeah. to be much smaller. <laughs> it says a pervert. But someone who likes big papers, you're very hey. keen to rip bits out of them. Yeah, I am. And make them into small papers. But you know what? I ripped I rip this out on June the 3rd, 2010. In your house, probably. A pervert who pasted like the head I've of... I've invited a stalker onto the show. <laughs> I, was, I really... was in your house. It wasn't during a podcast, Richard. Yeah. I just... You were on holiday at the time. I just snuck in. <laughs> I was wearing your pants at the time. Now I pretended to think what you would say. And I went, ooh... Oh. Was that uh, Hermione's head on yeah, porn? Yeah, yeah. Well, but you, if you, people, I've got the same... So what I've learned subsequently is I've got the same size hands as Hermione from Harry Potter. <laughs> I went to Harry Potter Lat World and that's the same... Really? Yeah, exactly the same. So people could put my hands onto a pair of her hands doing, like, wanking off men and stuff <laughs> and no one would notice it wasn't her. I mean, I'd, I'd have to wank off some men. Yeah. <laughs> But if uh, the price was right, it's I would do it. a price to pay. Yeah. So, I mean, well, because it'd be very authentic. I mean, you could just use anyone's hands. But I think the people doing that would want... they go, well, someone might measure the hands. Let's make sure the hands are the exact same size, at least. Can't we just Photoshop them to the same size? No, I think they... I think you'd have to take a photo of hands that were the same size for this to work. And so let's get Rich Hang to wank off some men and then it'll look like Emma Watson's doing it. The funny thing is that I found... <laughs> from reading this while you were talking about whatever you were just yeah, saying... Is, that's what the article's about. Is that... It, it's not that... It's quite... I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. No. And, and in the old days, it would have been fair game. Yeah. So I've moved on. We have, it was awful. It's disgusting, the stuff disgusting. we talked about. The stuff that we used to get from the tabloids was absolutely but disgusting. But it was an exciting time because it was about um, the deregulation. That's like disgusting as well. The, uh, <laughs> you've kept all these things. Um, the BBC Not was being very censorious and, uh, and, and, you know, people were being very cautious about what they were talking about. 
And so we were doing a podcast in which you, we, you know, I was yeah. deliberately pushing stuff as yes. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think it was even like I was slightly possessed in order to do that. I don't really appreciate. I didn't really like a lot. A lot of the times I finished the podcast and felt quite disgusted with myself. Yeah. But it was like the point of it was it was an artistic it experiment was. where it we were was. pushing stuff mainly about bumming, uh, and that is part of that is part of our, that's if that's probably the main impetus of all art. <laughs> uh, is an artist looks at someone and says I'd quite like to bum them but I don't think they'll let me bum them I'd, I'd better draw the Mo- Mona Lisa and that's essentially that's essentially what art the audience don't seem convinced yeah that's true um, so you know so it was a very it was a very exciting thing I listened to them and it doesn't sound one of the ones I listened to doesn't sound like me doesn't really sound like you and we talk we say some things that are appalling yeah but then you know what I think that's good because you go and listen to stuff now and everyone's scared to say you know you go, what if I say that and someone tweets it I know and then some other people go you know you're what? bad until the next day when someone else says something bad and then they all completely forget and move on to the next yeah, thing yeah I think so that... you know if you're just saying some bullshit that you know isn't true that's funny you know I agree and, I, and even though it's recorded for all time and anyone can listen to them any of them at any time and, and put us in prison for what we said <laughs> the interesting thing about it is that at the time I don't even think there was a hashtag we never even I never used to tweet things and go hashtag Collins and Heron or anything like that which you would do now immediately so I don't think we, I think we were just slightly free, not quite pre-hashtag, but pre... Twitter was a different world. Then. It, was, it was a beautiful it was, world. It, it was, was a beautiful so world. different. Like you could go on Twitter and say, like when Michael Jackson died, yeah. I went on and just did loads of jokes about yeah. the coverage of Michael Jackson, and yeah. three people went, how dare you? And I was going, well, no, it's not about three Michael Jackson. People, I know. You know, it was like, and someone, someone who'd found Michael Jackson came and complained, and all the stuff I was doing was like about, you know, yeah. uh, die-hard fans are gathering outside his yeah. house. What are they doing there? Yeah, they should be outside funny. the Nakatami Plaza. So that is, that's... Uh, right, very funny. They should wait till Bruce Willis dies. Yeah. That's this isn't about them. So it was all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But then people felt that was disrespectful. But, you know, it wasn't. It was like in the moment and exciting. And now you couldn't do that. No. I mean, the news has become a much more horrible place. But, it is. Um, but also, you know, it, it, people are so po-faced about everything. And so everyone's become like someone dies and it's like, oh. Yeah, I know. Here's my... Pray for yeah, whatever it's all it my, is. Yeah, here's my memories of yeah. this person. Do you think that everybody who writes hashtag pray for and then the place where something bad has happened yeah. believes in God? It's a fair question, I think. <laughs> seriously, because I think people use it meaninglessly. Even though they might seriously feel bad about the people that have been killed in whatever it is somewhere across the other side of the world, they put that in. But when they write P-R-A-Y, if they don't believe in God, then they are hypocrites. <laughs> and I mean and you anyone. should track them down on Twitter. No, I, I find so, excuse me, do you believe no. in God, or I, is this just some kind yeah. of force you vaguely yeah. think might have controlled the universe? Because I, I don't think you can pray to that, yeah. so stop being no, upset I about this can, disaster no, I, right now. You I hypocrite. think you can pray to anything okay. you want to pray to, as long as you genuinely mean it when you type P-R-A-Y. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. And I think there's a lot of, oh, I must show that I'm really upset about this as well. There's a lot of bullshit on social media. There is. So, like, people marking themselves safe in that. When you look at that page of marking themselves safe on Facebook, like, A, like, at least. What is this? I don't have Facebook. At least. You can go on Facebook, and if a disaster happens, you mark yourself as safe. And so, like, what does that mean? No, it means seriously. you haven't been killed in the disaster. Oh, I see, right, okay. There's no, been no, a disaster right. in London, so I go and go, I get it. Hello, everyone, I'm all right. Yeah. 
you'll know I'm not safe because I won't have tweeted yeah. in the last five minutes. <laughs> if yeah. a disaster happens and I haven't tweeted, yeah. uh, even if I don't know about the disaster, I'm dead. Okay, so that yeah. is yeah. that's Fair the enough. rule of thumb. But like, when say something happens in a very site-specific place, unless you live in that place, mm. you don't need to mark yourself safe. No one's don't make it about you. It. That's not about that's you. Very interesting. But also, if you go on that on that page, there's people, some nice people offering genuine things. So there's people going, I'm happy to do this if you. Uh, if you, you know, like there was one of the terrorist atrocities, you know, offering to give blood. I live five miles away. That's nice. Uh, there was someone in Spain who looks after pets and was offering their services. <laughs> probably, probably don't bother saying that, mate. It's, uh, that isn't relevant to what's happened and you live in Spain. That's not practical. No. So uh, there's a very weird thing going on where people want to be yeah. involved and okay. stuff. And I can understand they want to be involved. And it sort of detracts from the... It's making everything about you. And uh, I think you know. it is. If you, if you, if you tweet, oh, I feel really bad about this thing that's happened on the other side of the world, that doesn't mean you don't. But by saying it, you're sort of saying, hello, I'm here. Yeah, well, up to a point. But also people... Uh, something bad happens and then someone, you know, and you make a joke about something else and someone goes, hey, um, don't think you should be making jokes right no, now because of, because of the news. I know. You go, yeah, but really, what's the geographical parameters of this? Because something bad <laughs> yeah. happens somewhere, everywhere. Yeah. So you're saying I can never make a joke. Like, because this one has happened. I remember being in uh, Scotland when the 2012 riots were happening. This is a nice clean version of this. And I came out of my gig, and I didn't know what happened. And I said, oh, thanks for everyone who came to the show tonight. It was going well. And someone said, oh, I don't think you should be, uh, don't you should be tweeting that right now with what's going on in London. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not in London. And, yeah. you know, it does, if you're going to shut down, so is it just that it, if something's happened where you live, I'm not allowed to make a joke because yeah. something bad's happened everywhere at every single second. So people are making everything about themselves and being po-faced and... And Collings and Herring fought against that, yeah, we and we, we lost the we battle. <laughs> we lost the battle. No, we, we killed ourselves in the end, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we did. We were good for a while, though. It was all good. I thought it was good, up until the last one, which uh, Michael Legg said he listened to and could only get about halfway through. Um, I never listened to it. I'm sure you never did, because you never listened to any of our podcasts. I just listened to number 59 yeah. today. It was great. 59? That's a... What happened in 59? <laughs> that was when uh, Rob Perkins got engaged. I'm just getting used through after this. <laughs> He's listened to this one because they've decided to call yeah. it a day. <laughs> they, they were brought together by their love of Collins and Herring. Um, well, yeah. how are we doing? 22.10 it is in real time. Uh, don't, uh, if you're listening at home or watching at home, probably not the time where you are now. <laughs> it might be. Don't take, it might be, but don't take that as... Yeah. Yeah. Don't take that as your time. But if you're don't here panic. in the in the studio, as I like to don't call panic. it, Newsnight might not yet have started. Uh, question one seven two. Don't Hooray. need to tell you what that is. <laughs> what we need to do is everyone who has this book to learn all the questions and all the guests to learn all the questions, and then we can do that. And then people who haven't got the book have to go. Ah, do you I'm like pointless? Gonna... I love pointless. I fucking love pointless. It's the best. I genuinely think that pointless that was might, the get us, might get us out of uh, the, the trouble that we're in. Genuinely. And I was slow coming to pointless. And my mum and dad, for all of their uh, faults, 
introduced me to Pointless in a way that was kind of slightly annoying at the beginning because when I go and see my mum and dad in Northampton, they just watch quiz shows, which they've taped. I like your parents. I want to go and yeah. live with your no, parents. They're, they're great. So we watched The Chase and, you know, uh, Only Connect the Like So which well. one do they tape out of The Chase and, the, and Pointless? Cause they're well, the I don't know. Time. I don't know whether they can do a catch-up on, on one of them. Yeah, they must, they must do. because they're all sitting I'd there. like to know which one they watch live. Yeah. And if I go up, if I go, I think Pointless, they go for yeah, in a big way. It's a perfect time of day, isn't it? Perfect time of day. It is, but it's the chase is on at the same time. Yeah, I know, but the chase can wait. Okay. Anyway, they love pointless. I mean, that is, you know, literally the chase cannot wait. That is literally <laughs> a chase. Literally, the, well, that's what a chase is. Yeah, but, but it's not a real chase, is it? Uh, well, it is. No, it's not. It's very real to no, me. No, but it isn't. It, but to those people it is, but not to the rest of the world. It wouldn't make a scene in an action movie, <laughs> is what I'm saying, as a chase. But my mum and I love Pointless so much. And of all the shows they made me watch, and didn't make me watch, when I'm up there, I want to join in and be part of the, part of the gang. They watch, and I love Pointless, and I finally imported it back to London, and uh, we watch it in London now. Yeah. <laughs> Even me. I brought it back, I said, you've got to watch this show, it's yeah. only on in Northampton, but I think you should love it. Get it, on, <laughs> get it onto BBC One, and we can all watch it. Anyway, I love Pointless, and the reason I love Pointless is because if you watch it, and it only works if you watch it over a long period of time, and I realise this now, is that you start to learn a lot of African countries that you never knew, and to the point where you think you're really clever for thinking of uh, an African country, and they turn out not to be that clever at all, because the people in the studio audience on Pointless already know that African country, yeah. you know, Djibouti is a good one, yeah. and uh, Central African Republic, yeah. loads of those, you know what I'm talking about. And I love that, because you know what that is? That is a load of people watching a television programme getting cleverer and cleverer on a week-to-week basis. And they say that society is making us all stupider, and it's not. <laughs> that is what I've got to say about it. And it's all down to my mum and dad. Don't well, applaud him. My mum and dad didn't make me watch it. It's not even true. Pointless is really fucking stupid. No, it's not. It made you learn no, some stock answers and then you get some points. That's yeah, the, but that it's is... It's the opposite it. of learning something. No, it's the opposite it's not, it's of the opposite. It's learning that people don't know no, about the Central African Republic. It's the opposite Republic. of the opposite. Because I now know that Mozambique is on the corner of Africa where Madagascar is in... The, and I didn't know that before. Yeah. And now I know like, it because I looked it up. Yeah. So it is making me cleverer. It might not be making you cleverer, Richard, because you're very clever. Because you went to Oxford. Well, I can't Oxford bloody win the part pointless, can I? I don't want, want to give any spoilers for the third one that hasn't been on yet. Yeah. How'd you do? I can't, can't say, say, can I? I'm not allowed no. to say, but I think I've probably yeah. given an indication. Yeah. <laughs> is it the one that Dave Gorman was on? No, no, I haven't been against Dave Gorman. All right, okay, so that must be the I was one. against two of the Osmonds. I mean, fuck, it was a dream. Two lineup. Osmonds? Two of the Osmonds, not the, not the good ones. Richard. <laughs> Merrill and... Um, Richard. That's my, that's my joke. Marilyn J. Marilyn J. Osborne. All right, okay. Uh, so two old... Robert Lindsay and his daughter. <laughs> Robert Lindsay wasn't very clever. His daughter was quite clever. Is she called Lindsay? Uh, no. <laughs> and... Oh, it was Richard... No, was it? Yeah, I think it was Richard Blackwood and his sister. It was a family thing. It was me and my oh, wife. Oh, I see. Oh, did you go on with We your wife? were last-minute replacements. How oh, brilliant. Well, I, was really? up, I was rung up the night before. Don't tell me Stuart Francis couldn't do it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> This is, the, this is where my level of celebrity is. We were rung up the night before. John Stapleton and Lynn Foldswood had had to pull out. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, who can we get? Richard Chan and Katie Wilkins. Uh, so we, uh, we did all right. That's good. I'm excited to see it. It's a very exciting show. I'm actually. excited to see it. Very exciting. We were on uh, Podium One. My wife picked the number oh. out. 
Uh, and that, that, that means you force look, issue. If that means you look taller than everybody else if you're on podium one. I don't think that's true. Yes, it's true because the, because of the way that the perspective of the stage works, the people in podium one look Meryl much taller Osmond than Meryl is the very, very tall. Uh, so it's a very difficult, it's a bad position to be in and it meant it was very exciting because every time it went up to the other end and it was coming back to me and I thought, ooh, it's all down to me. It was well, basically always down to me. It's all it is. But can uh, I ask you one thing? Yeah. Did you manage to be quiet when it wasn't your turn to talk? Because that, I always think, looks really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> because they only talk to one person at a time, don't they? You can't yeah. talk because you're just the other person. Yeah. Did you remain silent? I think so. Good man. I don't really know what you're Good talking man. about. Good <laughs> <laughs> man. I'm talking about. When, they, when Alexander Armstrong, uh, my colleague on Classic FM, goes to... Uh, <laughs> I can't believe he hasn't asked me about Classic FM. What a fucking waste of time that was. <laughs> anyway, Alexander Armstrong only talks to the person whose go it is. You can't yeah. talk if you're the other person. You have to just stand around. Yeah. Uh, exposed, because your entire body's exposed. Yeah. So if you've got weird trousers on or weird, <laughs> a weird skirt... I was wearing I was clothed. Well, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you, people, let, people... Sometimes they move out from behind the podium and look a bit weird. Yeah. Obviously not you. Good to know Alexander Armstrong's got some more work though, wouldn't it? Because I don't know, don't know how he manages to get by that guy. <laughs> I, do you know anyone who knows Alexander Armstrong? Do you know him? I know him. Well, yeah. I know him because I've been important. Yeah, him a little but, bit. Do, but do you know him well enough to know what he's like? Um, I think he's like. I think he's like what he appears to be like. Yeah. So maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do you know about him? Well, only that he likes working. Okay. That's all I was saying. Okay. He likes working very much. Yeah. Well, he, like, good for him, because he does. That's all he fucking does. It's on morning till night, isn't he? Yeah. Hey, Dougie. Very good. Hey, Dougie. If, you've got, if you haven't watched Hey, Dougie, I watched it this morning. It's about a dog who runs a kind of a scouting group for animals. Uh, I watched a lot of CBBS uh, this morning. They did an Apocalypse Now pastiche in the middle really? of it. It was fucking amazing. Wow. It was fucking amazing. It blew. And the best thing is, it's six o'clock in the morning, and you're just not quite sure that that's <laughs> definitely happened. There was all that and they went to a they went to a little palace, and he came really? up out of the water, and uh, they went in. and There's all flowers everywhere, and the little wow. sitars going. Uh, it's fucking brilliant. Sounds brilliant. Uh, apparently, they do one of Steve, the, the Life Aquatic with Steve. Steve Zissou. Yeah, Zissou. they do one of that. I haven't seen that one yet. Bloody so do watch out for that. Kids TV is cleverer than. than it is. It's cleverer TV. than. If you want to get clever, watch yeah. watch CBBS yeah. at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Not maybe rah rah the, the the lion. That's you don't learn much from that. <laughs> Apart from shouting gets you everywhere. That's. Um, how long are we done, Ben? Feels like five, five years and six months. It's long. But it's only going to happen once, isn't it? It might not. Well, why are you being so down? I've been nice, haven't I? I'm not being down. I'm, I'm just thinking that, it, that the drama might be gone if I come again. <laughs> <laughs> There's drama in this. There'll be no drama will come again. I would, love to, I would love to come again. Obviously. I would like to be like Graham Linehan or one of the others who've done more Graham than one. Graham done... Two. I know. Adam Buxton's done three. Yeah. No one's done that many. I would like to be like Graham Linehan and okay. do two. Well, behave yourself a bit and stop being, <laughs> stop being such a dick and then maybe we'll have you back. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's 22.19. I don't know what time we started. It was 10 minutes. At least nine minutes have passed since I last did a time check. <laughs> I mean, I don't usually do a time check during the podcast, I have to say. <laughs> 
done, I've done two in this one. Oh, that's loads. That's plenty. 71. Well, with all the stuff we're going to have to cut out, though, how long is that going to be? 12 minutes long. Um, this is a question... Uh, Can I talk from... about uh, um, frog tape? About frog tape? Yeah, you can talk about tape. anything you want. Yeah, but... That's why when you come on, I say you yeah. can talk about anything you want. Frog tape. So don't go, I didn't ask you about classic FM or whatever no, it is you do. I don't care do. about that. Okay. I've got my gig there is fine. Um, I love, I, I am now interested in classical music. That's okay. what we need to know. But the uh, frog tape, I mean, done lots of DIY recently. Frog tape is basically a really, really hard wearing kind of masking tape, effectively. Okay. Right? And you, get it, you can get it in any DIY shop. It's not a weird thing. You can get it. It's called frog yeah. tape. And it comes okay. in an orange box. Has anybody seen this? You're too young to When I said DIY. you could come on and talk about anything you wanted. <laughs> I maybe should have put some parameters in the spirit, in, there. in the spirit of the old podcast, this is okay. exactly what I would have I know, talked I'm, about. I'm being in the spirit. In the I'm week that I had used frog tape for the first time. It's okay. a really hard-wearing tape that if you are painting, let's say, or even filling a hole, if you put frog tape on it either side... Frog tape? It's called frog tape. I can't even... Are you being sponsored by frog tape? No. Have you snuck in an advert for frog tape? The frog tape billionaires, right. the magnates... Went, I... Andrew, if you could mention frog tape 15 times... Do you know times, what? Just towards the end. Then we'll slip you 50 quid to cash money to prove and all the frog tape you can use for a day. <laughs> I'll prove that you're wrong by yeah. saying that frog tape is has shit. A, has a, no, okay. frog tape has. I can a, only prove you wrong if you say frog tape is shit and you should never buy it. Frog, that's the only way you can yeah, prove me frog wrong. Frog tape, according to its main no, it's, competitor, not what, Gorilla Tape, <laughs> is shit. That is why I found interesting about this whole episode is that frog tape and Gorilla Tape are two different brands of the same tape, which do the same thing, which is if you put them on a wall and then let's do, say, you do some filling with some, I don't know, gypsum-based filler, <laughs> or paint, then when you peel the tape off afterwards, not a single bit of it will go under the tape. So it's really, really good quality tape. <laughs> but there are two different companies that make the same thing, and one's called Frog Tape. <laughs> I don't even know why it's called Frog Tape, but it is. And the other company is called Gorilla Tape. <laughs> Now, there's an advert on television at the moment, which if you watch television, you might have seen, for Gorilla Glue. Has anybody seen this? No. You don't watch enough telly. I know what you do. You fast-forward through the adverts with your special devices. Gorilla Tape and Frog Tape are obviously competitors in the same, same sphere. There's, I don't think there's anything different between Frog Tape and Gorilla Tape. But one's called Frog Tape and one's called Gorilla Tape. And I have chosen Frog Tape. That is all I'm saying. I, I'm so worried about turning 50, I can't tell you. I'm so concerned about it. So, so genuinely terrified. And I would... If I was just... I'm going to engage with this. If the choice is Gorilla or Frog Tape and they're the same... Yeah. Gorilla Tape. No. No, because Gorilla Tape obviously feels the need to make itself look bigger than it is, whereas a frog is quite content to be if just good. If you were painting a wall yeah. and you needed to cover some of the wall up, would you rather use a frog or a gorilla to do that? I would rather use frog well, tape. Well, then you have to really stray, but no, um, that wasn't the question. Do you know why I use frog tape? I'll be honest, I'll be totally honest, and this is really important. Like, Your dad! <laughs> no, no, it's even more basic than that. 
Frog tape is the first one that I saw, and that's the one I bought. So now I've seen Gorilla Tape, I'm going, nah, fuck you. I've already got frog tape. I don't need Gorilla Tape, just because you think you're bigger than a frog. That's honesty, I'm being honest. I'm glad, I'm glad we... I'm glad we can finally be honest after all these years. About our feelings. Are you having a nice time, everyone? Is it okay? It'd be worth mentioning that he just gets other people to do his work on the house, you know. So he probably doesn't need to know what, what, what tape is. I said you could come round and decorate my house if you want to. I'm happy to pay you. I'll pay you the same as I'm paying the guy to come round and decorate my house. And I reckon he'll do a better job. He uses Gorilla Tape, though. That is, I happen to know. We had a long discussion about it. That book looks really nicely designed, by the way. This, Emergency Questions. No, it's really nicely it's designed. It's amazing. No, it's beautifully uh, done. Stefan, uh, direct, uh, Stefan uh, Caddick, I want to say. I hope I've got that right. Yes, I'm well done, Richard. Uh, Stefan Caddick, uh, in, uh, he's a Welsh man. They're not all bad. Um, uh, he uh, stayed, he's, he's, he's in Paul Tolbert and Ben Evans. Uh, it's really nice. I think it's a really nicely designed product. Thank you. So you should be glad. I <laughs> am. It's the most passive-aggressive endorsement no, passive of anything I've ever done no, in my life. It's passive. It's just <laughs> passive-aggressive. It's just passive. I think it's, it's nice. You should be passive. glad. I am, I am glad. I am, I'm really pleased with it. I've got a degree in art, and I think that's very nice. I think nice. it's beautiful. It's a lovely thing. It's very nice. No, They're for sale at the back of the theatre for £10 if you haven't bought one yet. What I'm saying is, sometimes people give away stuff or try and sell stuff that's poor quality. That is not poor quality. That is a really nicely designed, beautifully bound piece of work. That's what I'm saying. Just I think it's really good. Though, don't I? That's the, that's... I'm going to put on the cover quote, that whole thing. Some people do things that are shit. But this, honestly, is, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I'll ask this question. Um, if you um, were... <laughs> I'm going to ask the uh, human centipede question, ladies and gentlemen. I won't answer that. You won't answer it? No, I don't think so. Well, no one can hear you because you haven't held your microphone up to your mouth. Right? Only, I won't answer it. The only best thing about this is that most people won't know what's, what's happened during... <laughs> if you had to do a human centipede with two other people, it's a nice question. Yeah, it's nice. If you had to, yeah. that's the important thing. Well, because uh, other than choosing to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. choosing to have your mouth sewn into the anus of another person. Yeah, you are in yeah. the middle. And them, it's okay, so they're... Which two people would you put at either end of you? It's a right, perfectly good question. Enough. That is absolutely fair enough. Dumbo, the elephant. <laughs> in front? I didn't say in front. <laughs> <laughs> Behind? Behind. You want Dumbo the elephant to eat the shit of you and whoever's oh, in front of you? So in, what, in what sentence, if you took out my name and his name, would that sentence suddenly become palatable to anyone? <laughs> well, it's an odd choice for the front. A, it's an elephant who shits a lot. Yeah. B, it's a cartoon elephant. Yeah. That just makes me feel better about it if it's a cartoon. I go for a cartoon at the front as well. What's that? I don't know, I'll think about it. I didn't know this was coming up, Richard. No, well, that's why. That's the whole yeah. point, isn't it? Okay, I'll go for the cartoon. Um, how about uh, Edgar the Butler on the Aristocats? <laughs> the, the embarrassing thing about this is we've had those choices so many times before <laughs> that it's just so it's so hack the choice. Yeah. 
Edgar the Butler from Edgar the, the Butler at the front and Dumbo the Elephant at the back. And the reason yeah. I've chosen Edgar the Butler is because he, if you remember the film, and the, I don't. I've never it, seen it. Well, all right. You've never seen the Aristocats. No. I've seen the Aristocrats. You've not seen the Aristocats though. I had, used to have the um, one of the only albums I had growing up was a Disney's classic uh, album. Yeah. And they had some of the Aristocats music on Okay. Everybody wants to, to be, be a cat. cat. Brilliant tune. That is a great Cause tune. the cat's the only cat. No, where is that? And then there's a bit where the Russian cat comes in and goes, And ironically, there was stuff, yeah, there was some stuff from Dumbo on there as well. Just like that. They had those, they had the crow, they had the racist crows. Racist crows are great in Dumbo. Yeah. They're great. I've never seen a little fry. You've seen a little fry. Should we do it? Should we do the racist crows? I see it. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Let's do the racist crows. I see the dragonfly. I see the hassfly. I see the hassfly. That's less racist now, isn't it? We've been po- we're post Obama now. It's not. It's okay. <laughs> you see an elephant fly? I think you might not be on Classic FM anymore after this. <laughs> we play we play that all the time. <laughs> um, so who's the butler? Let's let's, let's take it. All right, the Edgar the butler. Yeah. He, he, tries to, he tries to kidnap the cats, the kittens, in fact, to take them away because he thinks, that, well, no, he doesn't think, he's correct in thinking, that he will get the inheritance of the doddery old person yeah. in Paris if he gets rid of the cats because they're in the will. You're not attempting to put Edgar behind you so he's eating no, no. shit. He sounds like quite an unbelievable. No, no. You want no, to be eating the shit. I, I, I definitely okay, want no. the elephant behind me, but, but Edgar has got, and I remember this Tom very Bo well. didn't ever do anything wrong. Edgar has these kind of trousers with a flap on the back. <laughs> which seems, certainly from the, the way they've animated it, to be kind of positioned with some kind of buttons yeah. or some fasteners. Good person to have in front of you. <laughs> I reckon they'd just probably take the trousers off someone who didn't have Yeah, but you've The mad professor yeah, doing right. that would go, okay. Oh, it's, it's nice you to think of the convenience of the bloke. I don't want him to have to take someone's trousers off. Let's yeah, take right. someone who you can just uh, unfasten her. Do you know what? Let's think of the poor, the no, no, poor guy, enough. the mad scientist who decided to put this together. Yeah, no, fair enough. When, and then Dumbo's at the back eating the shit no, and the broken right. kid When it comes down to the hard facts of what it would actually be like, it doesn't really matter because it's never going to happen. Well, uh, well yes, I have a surprise for you tonight. Because right, waiting up. backstage... Yeah. Is the weird scientist yeah. and, and Dumbo, Dumbo and Edgar yeah. the Butler? Yeah, well, fair enough. I'll just give in if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let him make the. I'll let him make the choices. Well, he would do. He would. Um, Anybody watching The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. Oh, it's fucking good, isn't it? That is so. Pretty. I uh, I read the book. Uh, so yeah, of course, so did I in yeah. the 80s. <laughs> but the special effects weren't as good then. Look at him flicking through his thing. He's got no idea. Here's what a question for me. you. Have you ever seen the TV show Friends? No. It's good, you should watch when it. When Friends was on, I remember, and this must have been pre-DVD, a friend of mine, literally, a friend of mine, saying they'd taped it off the telly onto some VHS tapes and said, you've got to see this programme, Friends. And we borrowed the tapes off them and watched it and thought, this is the most amazing TV show I've ever seen. It's the funniest, weirdest, kind of self-conscious, wacky shows I've ever seen. And it was literally on VHS tapes. I'm only saying that because I know that will impress a lot of you. <laughs> VHS tapes, plastic casings with some tape inside. Yeah. That was how I saw Friends. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're not from a thousand years ago. <laughs> they remember tapes. Do you they remember? Them? I mean, these three, these three. Do you these girls are 18, 19, they remember tapes. Do you remember 22. tapes? 22. Do you remember tapes? 20 tomorrow. Wow, imagine that. 30 years younger than me. <laughs> and added together, 70 years together. Yeah. Average of 35, it works out okay. Yeah. 32 years younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was we better. can do mental arithmetic. It was better then. That's the, all you need to it know. It wasn't. Tapes are, are just much worse. They were okay. Videotapes okay. are definitely much worse. They than took a lot more downloads. space up on your shelves. They I did. remember buying, and this is a weird thing, in VHS years, <laughs> I, I joined a kind of video club, a mail-order video club. Amazing. It was like pre-streaming, streaming, where they would send you every month one, one VHS with two episodes of ER on it. <laughs> It's true. And I signed up, and every month, a few episodes of ER would turn up, and we had to build some shelves into, our, into a room just to contain the ER tapes. I just can't believe we did that. It was better, though, wasn't it? It was, it was much better. Much better. Than much better. Going to Amazon Prime, just yeah, downloading it, and it, it was being, much better. And being able to watch yeah, all of it. Do you know what? You had to work harder for your fucking hospital drama in those But, you days. know, it's good to not. I think I, this is it's good to not have to work hard because it gives you more time to do other stuff yeah that's true yeah. it's not if your idea is just I like to find rare things yeah then yeah the modern world's fucked yeah but you know a, <laughs> that's the way a cunt behaves uh, so um and on that be, bombshell he wants that to be the last thing he said <laughs> so the last thing he said in our podcast which is not even a podcast oh. I would like to you know I really, I, you know, I love those podcasts. I love I'd them be, as well. Do, we should do some more, Andrew. Oh, we could do some more, but some of you have to pay us. <laughs> but look, it pays off in the end. I've worked, you know, we've been doing, we've been doing podcasts almost the same time as I've been in a relationship with my wife. I met my <laughs> wife uh, yes. in uh, sort of dis- November, December. I remember that. 20, I remember in early, early hopeful We started years. dating in yep. January 2008, yep. and we remember started that? doing podcasts at the end of January 2008. Yeah, I remember that. And so, um, in some ways, my relationship with my wife has been more successful. <laughs> but in other ways, I mean, in, in bumming senses, it's been a lot more successful. But uh, in... Uh... So, that, so in that area, yeah. it's not gone well. No? Okay. Uh, what was the point of getting married then? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I've produced one and a half children. Yeah, pretty good going. I've got uh, two cats, one of them died. Yeah, but you didn't produce them. Well. No. So you can't be. <laughs> what I'm saying is you can't be blamed for the one that died. Okay. Yeah, it's not your fault. Okay. I, still bl- I still blame myself. Yeah. Um, don't know what I was going to say, actually, but it's not, you know, it's been yeah. a long time. You know, it's been a nice, you know. It's been lovely to, to be around you again. <laughs> It has, because I've never experienced you asking me this many questions about myself. And I quite, I've, you know, in a selfish, self-aggrandizing way, I've quite enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. And, you know, without... This is essentially the Collins and Herring podcast. Where it is. Collins just changes every week. That's, that's, that's what this is. So we did, like, 100 and whatever, 37 episodes. How many was it? 167. Well, 167. Just, so that I'm scared of you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> what we, what we proved, I think, in, in those... So 100... you were the guest 
the first 167 times <laughs> and you've come on here going, yeah. oh, I've only been on this 167 times. <laughs> and you've had Adam Buxton on three times. <laughs> he was in The Persuasionist. No, I yeah. deliberately wrote him shit lines so he would fail. I did, yeah. I did. No, I didn't write any lines in uh, The Persuasionist. I just uh, script edited some of them. That's totally different to writing the lines. <laughs> it is. I can't be blamed for the lines. But we wouldn't be doing this. Any of this, none of this would exist without you. It's, um, you know, I, and I think like you really helped me through a very difficult time in my career. So that I'm very grateful for that. And uh, you know, this it works. This you're works. Very, you're very nice to me, Richard. I know. But this works. Nice this works. You don't need to be paid directly. You don't need to worry about money. No, money I don't will, care about money. Money will come. Yeah. Don't worry. Your classic FM millions will see you through. Yeah. <laughs> 200 people have come to see us today. No, do you know which what? Which is half the number of people who came to see us last time we did one live. Yeah, but do you know what? I care about more about these people you, than the ones who came last time. They were just bandwagon jumpers. Could have jumpers. been put on a better show for them. Yeah. These, <laughs> these people care more. Um, it's lovely to have you on. We'll go and uh, talk backstage about some of the issues that... Uh, <laughs> we've got... Uh, Zoe Lyons, a psychologist, is waiting backstage yeah. to take us through some of the issues that have been raised in this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. I'm sorry I didn't invite you before, but Andy McCaitch hadn't insisted I did until now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's turned up in his Who is Virgilio Anderson t-shirt. I'm you, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good lad. Yeah, it's old, an old school. school it's yeah. definitely old school. But I tell you what, Who is Virgilio Anderson t-shirts were better six years ago than they are today, right? The, yeah. uh, so, um, ladies and gentlemen, give a massive round of applause to Andrew Collins, ladies and gentlemen. Classic, he's on Classic FM every day. You have been listening to Richard Harris, the Twitter podcast, with me, Rich Tang, and my guest, Andrew Collins. Uh, the music by Pess. Gotta thank the usual people from Go Faster Strike, Leicester Square Theatre, the British Comedy Guide, iTunes, uh, old Ewan Tube and all his, his mates down at YouTube. All those guys, thanks very much for helping us do these shows. Thank you very much. I'm indebted as always to my producer, Ben Walker. Uh, it's a fuzzgofasterstripe.com and Sky Potato production. Thank you very much. Why not come and see me, Richard Tearing, at the, Les uh, the, not at the Leicester Square Theatre. You can come and see me here as well, but at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe where I will be performing my new show, Oh Frig, I'm 50, at 7.30 at the Pleasance One. And uh, on Friday afternoons, I'll be at the Newtown Theatre doing Rich Sharing's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. Both shows are selling quite well, so book ahead if you want to come and see those. They're both in massive rooms, so I bet they won't sell out. So, you know, just if you're up there, give it a crack. Uh, I am appearing on the new episode of Puppy's Flat Share Slam Down, which is a very funny podcast. It's out for free. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on the British Comedy Guide, comedy.co.uk slash PFS. And I'm on with BT Edmondson, and I'm on who's, who's a very funny person who's come out of two very funny people and created a super funny person by the sperm of one of those funny people meeting the egg of another funny person inside their ovaries, as I understand it. Uh, also, I think Izzy City's on it. Um, do become a monthly badger at www.gofasterstrike.com slash badges. Do buy an emergency questions book at GoFasterStripe. Have a lovely time. It's summer. Get out there. Enjoy yourself. I'm a week into my 50s now. Don't, don't wait till you're old like me. Get out there. Have fun. Love you. Bye.